0: Breathing in diesel exhaust fumes is like walking into a fire without a mask. Over time, those toxins lead to cancer. Protect yourself with MagnaGrip, the easiest, most reliable exhaust removal system that features a true 100% seal to eliminate diesel exhaust fumes. To get free grant assistance, visit MagnaGrip.com. Hey, everybody. It's Eric Dryman from the Hooks and Hoses podcast. Welcome to the August edition of the of the show. I've got uh, two two guys that are friends of mine that I've had the opportunity to spend some time with over the last handful of years. Um, I have Gabe Salas and Jeff Eckert, both with uh, Squad 72 at the uh, Philadelphia Fire Department. Um, first thing I'm going to do is just kind of... Uh, let each of these guys introduce themselves, tell as much or as little about themselves as they want, and uh, and then we'll get into the conversation. So, Gabe, we'll, you're top on the screen there, so we'll uh, I'll let you start off.
1: So welcome, Gabe. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Gabriel Salas, obviously. I'm a Philly Fireman for going on 20 years. December, I hit 20 years. Um, i have been part of SOC for going on maybe 16 years now, 17 years almost, I think, in part of SOC. Been a squad 72 for 15 years, going on 15 years, about about 15 years. Uh, and then this year, me and Jeff, we started our Philly 10 company, training company. So little by little, you know, just stay motivated, trying to learn, stay in the books, you know, keep the sharp muscle, you know, and just train all as much as we can.
0: Great. Well, I'm happy to have you. Jeff, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know you've got you've got previous experience before Philly, so you know, go back as far um, as you want. Yep.
2: Again, thanks for having us. Uh, I, 25 years in the fire service. The uh, the first state were all federal. Um, born and raised here in Philly, though. Always what I wanted to be. Uh, I got a little bit over 17 now here in Philadelphia. Uh, the last 12 in the special operations, and then uh, about 10 and a half now at squad 72. Uh, Gabe is actually my senior man on the D platoon. So I've been working with him the whole time I've been there for uh, 10 and a half years.
0: And uh, it's been great, you know. Uh, no plans on leaving anytime soon. Great, man. It's. I think we're going to be able to talk about some some good information, pass along some stuff to to the audience today. So, you know, I'm. I'll just throw this question out, and whoever jumps on it or wants to, add to it. Um, you know, by all means, do. But you know, if I remember correctly, you guys don't work twenty fours in Philadelphia. Is that correct? You work.
1: You work a partial shift, like you work nines or fifteen. Yeah. You 15s. Take that one, Gabe. Yeah, we work two we work uh two uh two day shifts and two night shifts, twelve hour shifts. So okay. we write like, the book is eight to eight mm-hmm. in the morning, eight in the morning, eight at night, and then eight at the night, like eight in the morning, twenty four hours are between. But us firemen, we still do we go in at, at seven and we leave at five. and um, the day day on the day works. And then mm-hmm. our night works we go in at five and believe, you know, and we leave, leave at seven in the morning. So we do okay. twelve and fourteens but that's just off the book. So, you know, buy, Bible book and we do 12 hour shifts.
0: Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think most particularly guys that work in career departments, they understand how that works. You know, we, we work 24s, but you know, we can trade and swap and double up and, and all that sort of stuff too. So we do something similar, although we don't, you know, we work full 24 hour tours. We don't work the, the split tours like you do, but uh, you know, part of the reason I think you guys do that is just because of how busy you are, um, and, you know, and you've got four shifts. So you're able to, you able to do that but uh, approximately how many members how many stations do you guys have if you know off the top of your head
2: uh i think uh the last email that went out about 3000 members counting the paramedics and the emts and everything stations i believe we have 60 engines and ladders i want to say 25 ladders uh three sock companies you have us, Squad 72, we handle the north side of the city, Rescue 1, which is more centralized, uh, and then Squad 47, which handles the south side of the city. And uh, my cousin's actually assigned to Squad 47 on the same platoon as me, too. Cool. We also That's have cool. hazmat,
1: they're part of SOC. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're a special operations company to just deal with hazmat, though. Yeah. And they also run out of South Philadelphia. Lots of, that's
0: a lot of people. That's a lot of firehouses for staffing and logistics. Definitely. It's a big operation. So um, let's just talk a little about um, we're going to start out by talking about the squad company itself. Um, how many people are typically assigned to, to your squads? And is the squad staffing the same as the rescue staffing?
1: Go ahead, Jeff. You got it.
2: Uh, for us, it's a officer and four firefighters. Uh to be in the squads uh you have to have all the specialized training as well as be a hazmat tech uh rescue one in philadelphia you do not have to be a hazmat tech that's the difference um we're still an engine we st- you know we still do all first in engine responsibilities whether it's fire suppression but also the little stuff we we still run alarm systems we still do the medical runs here in philadelphia we call those shoe runs because you wear your station shoes as opposed to your bunker gear that's been around forever. It's just called a shoe run. You know, we're doing, we still do all, you know, like the nuisance runs. You know, you run a lot more as well as all the specialized stuff. So training gets a little difficult at times when, you know, you're trying to do a rope system and you're hanging off the side of the building. And then someone calls 911 and has, you know, breathing difficulty around a corner. You got to stop. You got to go for that. Uh, same thing with squad 47. They do the same thing. Uh, rescue, they have an officer and five firefighters. So that's the difference. They don't do fire suppression. They don't do any of the other regular engine stuff. They do strictly special operations work and that's it. So it a lot of guys tend to leave, like especially like 72s, like we're kind of notorious for a lot of the like the BS runs and get a ton of medical runs. But you get more fire when it comes to that too. Uh guys will go to rescue a little bit to slow down the older guys. Now they're studs. You know what I mean, outstanding special operations guys. You know, but they're they're over the squad life, so they want the younger guys to come in and take that over.
0: Excellent. Yeah, I'm sure it gets uh, it wears on a guy after a while. Um, Gabe, what all? What are all the different specialties that uh, that you guys
1: cover in Squad Seventy Two? Like sock specialties? Certainly, your yeah. We We cover almost every discipline. We go. We do a high angle, low angle. We do water rescue, collapse. Uh, we're really proficient in, you know, vehicle Um We literally do every discipline there is. Uh, trench rescue. Uh, it's all, all we do everything. We have a discipline in every single one, which is, most stock companies don't run that way. They they stick to one or two disciplines. Philly's unique this way that we have almost every discipline. Um, which is, every, day,
2: we just got tower rescue, right, kid That's right. the newest yeah, one. We they just just
1: got, show. Yeah, we just did a tower rescue class. Um, so it's, it's, it's a lot. It, it is a lot for firing to, to continue, but you continue training, you know, you be open minded and willing to, to learn, and train, you, you can do it. Um, it's all about training. It's, it's all about training, keeping yourself proficient and fresh on everything that comes up because things constantly change. So all the socks, sock stuff I learned years ago, somebody came up with a new technique, a new tool. So when we get it, there we go, I'm training again, you know, so. But the disciplines are, you know, it's by the book, most of my pro boarded now. So, you know, so it's a, it's a really good course. Sock, sock companies have a really good training, a really good background. So it keeps us pretty sharp. I mean, overall, we do really well when it comes to our disciplines. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, we'll come back to that here in a second. I want to talk a little bit more about how
0: you guys stay so proficient. But um, tell me about, uh, you know, if, if you're first due into a fire, you're, you're, you're a, an engine company. Is that right? Yeah. You're going to lay out, you're going to pull lines. You're going to go in, you're going to spray water basically. Right. Uh, so
2: yesterday, for example, I was working, yeah. I was doing an MXT. Like as you say, to exchange with a guy, uh, we mm-hmm. had a first in job, uh, nothing crazy, but get there. And, you know, we had fire showing from the uh, the first floor rear uh, because I was the middle guy, most engines in Philadelphia or all the engines in Philadelphia, I should say, Run with an officer and three firefighters. You got a driver and two guys on the back step. We So we have that extra guy when we're engine mode. So if someone's yelling to me, you know, fire's on the second floor, the second floor. He's looking at the basement from the rear. In his mind, it's the second floor. For us, it's the first floor. Like, all right, there it is. Go in. Uh, forced entry, go in, put the fire out. Standard engine stuff. You know, we're not waiting for the ladder. We have the extra guy. Not many engines are waiting for the ladder if they have to force entry. And that was it. We were strictly engine mode, had nothing to do with special operations at all. His first in engine go in put the fire out.
1: Yeah, that's, cool. uh, yeah. That's all. we Philadelphia. The first in company stretches to the fire extinguishment. The driver. The little the unique part is the driver backs up the engine by himself. You know we have extra guy, but the engine guy has with a couple minutes to back up, find a hydrant, and back up with You know by himself. So sometimes it's easy tasks, a couple limbs. And sometimes a long, eight limbs. So you yeah, have to conserve water. So that's the unique part about Philadelphia is that the driver is by himself and they're attacking the fire without being backed up right away. So that's something that Philadelphia does have. We notice a lot of other people don't do. They back up, they get backed up or have another company back them up with water before they go in and attack.
2: Another I just want to add on that, like another odd thing. Uh, so any job in Philadelphia that goes two and two in service, two edges, two ladders, uh, you get a sock company on it. So if it's in our first or second in area, when it goes two and two, so we're first in engine, they send Heavy Rescue as a SOC company. Even though we're there as a SOC company, Rescue now is still coming to be the SOC company on that job. But we've done jobs at, like where that extra guy, which we call the hump, like sitting on the hump of your pickup truck, will uh, just hey, man, you got enough line. You guys are putting water to fire. I'm going to go to the roof and start cutting a hole, or I'm going to do this. Or if there's a person trapped, I'm going to go do search. Like He can kind of be the freelance guy as long as the officer knows, you know, hey, where are you going to go? We need a hole in the roof. The ladder's not here. I'm going to throw a ladder. I'm going to go cut a hole. In the roof. So we have that
0: option as well. So based on your order of arrival, I know your your responsibilities are going to change. But do you also have writing assignments within the engine? Like the guy behind the engineer, you know, does this at this fire and does this at this extrication, or, or yep. the guy behind yep. the officer? How,
1: how does that all work? Yeah, the way, way you, game yeah, the way it works for us, uh, every seat has a specific assignment for depending on the what we're doing. Not the person, the seat itself. So no matter who sits there. So the driver is obviously the driver, but he's also the rig master on a rope job. He's also in charge of stabilization on the accident. Um, uh, the tip guy, with the guys that on the right behind the driver, he's the glory guy. He gets to put the fire out. He's gonna he's gonna grab the spreaders on the accident. He's gonna go over the edge on a high angle. He's he is the guys that's, that's all the the actual rescue. The pack guy for us would his backup. So they'll go over together. They go into the water, it's dumped to one is gonna go swimmer. The other one's gonna be his backup. Uh, so every seat has an assignment. So it's not specifically a person. Uh, then our, our hump guy, what Jeff's called, we have a hump guy that he's the extra guy a lot of times. He helps with, it's a lot of times with backing up of when piece on a, high, on a first end job, on an accident, he helps stabilization. And also uh, he, he takes the spreaders. On a, on a water job, he's helping the drivers set up the boat, get the motor ready, get all the equipment on the boat for the, while well, the two other guys are getting dressed to go into the water. High angle stuff, he's just also helping the rig master setting everything up. He may set up a lay line. So he has a specific task, but that's assigned to every seat, not a person for us. So it doesn't matter what, every seat, our ro- seats rotate every time we go to a new shift. So um, this time I'm driving next door. I'm on the, I'm on the extra guy. So that way, we don't have to worry about, oh, that's what I'm doing this, this job with this time. That seat, this is what you do for that seat. So it keeps it nice and clean and neat for everybody to understand. Yeah, that's, it's that's, law. What's, the, what's that, Jeff?
2: It, it's, it's law. Like, it's law. There, there's yeah. no, I'm going to switch, you know, here. And no, like, if you don't do your assignment, there's going to be a serious problem. You know what I mean? Because we have to know where everyone is, especially on a fire when orders change. It, it's you don't deviate from the assignment. So if, and if you can't get with that, then you're not going to last long with us.
1: And we do do teams like the, our tip guy and our pack guy are teams. And then the driver and the hump guy, they're a team. So on a fire ground, the, the, the driver and the hump go up to the roof. And then the guy, the tip guy and the hump and the pack guy will go inside for ventilation or rescue, whatever it is. Less otherwise, directed by the chief. But the VG going to service, we're breaking up teams of two. The officer is the officer, right? He's going to go do whatever he has to do as an officer. But if he, so we always stay for the most ninety percent of the time, ninety five percent of the time, as teams of two. Yeah, that's. I think that's so
0: important, and, and certainly it's it's easier for those of us that work in in career departments, and, and we have good staffing. And it's a challenge for for folks in the in the volunteer fire service, or they work in departments they don't have as much staffing, but. You know, as I travel around, I know you guys travel around and, and teach and attend conferences and do different things. Um, I try and drive that point home that just because you don't work for a major metropolitan fire department doesn't mean that you can't have riding assignments. And I use that exact example: it's not the person, it's the seat, right? So if you're sitting behind the officer on an engine company, you know, regardless of whether it's any one of the three of us, we know that if we're sitting behind the officer, we're going to be pulling the line and, and be on the pipe, right? So. You know, I, I think that's very important uh, to drive home the point. and And I think you guys would agree that, that having those kinds of pre-designated assignments actually makes our job so much easier. I mean, when you when you rattle them off and you say it's, he's the tip man, he's got the spreaders, he's the guy going over the edge. You know, certainly you guys have a lot more responsibilities and a lot more disciplines that you're focused on. But just having those predetermined assignments just makes it actually makes it easier for you guys, even though it seems kind of confusing and overwhelming if it's the first time you're hearing it. Uh, do, you
1: agree, do you agree with that? 100%. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It's, it's just, it's just there's no thinking involved, right? This seat has, yeah. these seats have exactly, this is the list of the way this seat does. And you mm-hmm. learn them, you know, as time goes by and every seat does the same thing. You don't have yeah. to worry about it. I mean, there are going to be situations, you know, every fire ground is, you know, yeah. you know, you might have to change here. You might have to do that. You might be easier for you to do a certain job. So it's mm-hmm. not it's it's set in stone, but not hundred percent set in stone. Sometimes yeah. things alter a little bit because this is fireground, right? Firegrounds change. Absolutely. But yeah. that if the, anything changes, it's understood by the two people that are changing. Oh, well, you're my role, I'm your role. There's no mm-hmm. like you still you're switching roles completely. So it's always yeah. understood. So it does happen, not often, but it does happen every once in a while. We just yeah. adjust. It's, you know, it's, just, it's all about adjustment. We figure it out and just keep moving absolutely but you know i
0: it always frustrates me when i go to a to an incident with an outside agency and they arrive on scene and they they say you know we're we're on the scene waiting for assignment what do you need you know i don't deal in that world and i, I know you guys don't either but you know even having those predetermined first engine does this second engine does that and first ladder whatever um you know and, and like you said the the deviation is going to be the exception more than the rule right so you you know things are going to happen. We all know that. I've made changes, tactical change. You know, tactical assignment changes or, or different things. And I'm sure you guys have been involved in those too. But, but it just makes the fireground so much run so much smoother, in my opinion. Um, obviously, you need to have the people to do that. But, uh, but even even with that said, it, it you know it, it just makes everything run so much better. Another thing I found unique about Philadelphia and talking to you guys over the last handful of years since we've been. Uh, traveling together from time to time is you guys don't have permanent uh, chauffeurs or engineers on your apparatus. No. Right. So, nope. and that's, that's across. Yep. Yeah, that's across the department, right? It's not just unique to SOC. No.
1: Nope.
0: So everywhere. Yeah. So everybody has to be an engineer,
1: whether you want to be or not. Right. Yep. Um, every seat sure. so. rotates except the officer. Every seat rotates, yeah. which is, you know, it's, it's debatable. You know, people think is is not a good thing. So people think we think it's a really good thing because it keeps you sharp on every aspect of the fire department. Because if you just some people just stick to one thing and that well, that's all they're good at, right? Being Christian, especially, I mean, and so some guys are really against it, you know. Well, you should with well, engineers, because they're gonna take care better of the truck, that's gonna be their baby, they're gonna be they're gonna focus only on the truck. So yeah, there's yeah. there's a positive side on that side, but everybody should be good at their job, not I mean, as a farmer, not just as an engineer, not just as a pack guy, right? So everybody should be good all around farming because I mean, I'm not sure how other places work, but if you work overtime, are you only an engineer? Do you work overtime in the back step? I mean, I don't know how that works. So, uh, being proficient all around it has a big benefit. You know? Yeah,
0: yeah, because you can pretty much fill any seat that needs filled, right? Yeah, I can. I can see. I think that. with
2: Philadelphia. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Jeff. Uh, I think with Philadelphia too, driving is a lot of pressure, uh, especially in North Philadelphia uh the firehouses are very close and this is a very old department very traditional department guys are still racing out the door trying to be the first one to fire right and there have been stations ours included where good firemen guys that are known to go in put fires out no problem don't hack it because they're not good drivers they can't learn their local fast enough when the lights and bells go off and it's four o'clock in the morning and it's your brain scrambling and there's no going to the map when you're first in in North Philadelphia. There, there is no going to the map. You better know where you're going. You hop on and go because the other companies are coming. And that's that, that's a lot of pressure. And then that, that's just to get you there without killing your crew and to get you there first in a good position. Now you still have to get water. You know, your guys are already going in. You're dropping a tank, you know. Back in the day, with our old tips, you know, you had about five minutes. Now with these new tips, you're getting like 240 gallons of water a minute. You got to hustle and get that hydrant, you know, and then hope that hydrant works. There's not a car double parked on it or some other engine sitting on it. You know, driving is very difficult in up for engine. You know, ladder has its own set of obstacles. You know, but it's it's uh, you're definitely in a hot seat for sure. But with the squads, as Gabe was saying earlier, with the positions, like I take a lot of pride when I'm driving too, especially on like a sock assignment. Like if Gabe's the guy on the spreaders and they're inside on a vehicle extrication, I'm the runner. I'm getting no glory whatsoever. And I'm going to be drenched in sweat because I'm getting these guys all the equipment they need. And I could be a block away, but I take a lot of pride in Gabe turns around. Hey man, I need the, and I already have it. Because I'm also not deep in there like him. I'm sitting back and I can kind of see a bit of better picture than they can see. Like, Oh, they might need, the sawzall. They might need some chain. They might need, you know, the grip hoist, whatever. And I really enjoy, like, I don't care that I'm not the one in there using it. I like them having what they need without having to ask for it. That's how I look at it, you know, because it's definitely not a glory spot, but it's a very important spot.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. So I don't know if the audience has been able to tell yet or not, you know, those of you that are watching on YouTube, you can probably tell it. But if you're listening to this on Spotify, or one of the other um, audio uh, apps, it may may not be as as obvious to you. But you got, you know, these guys are pretty motivated, pretty, uh, you know, whether it's just by what they've said, or by their their gestures and the way they appear and everything. I've always been impressed with how how motivated you guys are. And so what does it take, particularly, you know, in a sock company where you've got all these different disciplines, how do you keep that edge? How do you stay, how do you have such, um, such drive all the time? Because between all the, the run load, all the drills you guys do, uh, you know, you, you still got a personal life outside the firehouse that, and, and other, you know, aspirations and, and responsibilities. So how do you guys stay, stay as motivated as you are?
1: Well, uh, good. good, good. I, I believe it's, it's, it's a team effort, right? Every day it's, it's easy to get complacent, but somebody will say one day, I want to try this. I want to train on this. So it doesn't have to be that one person. So we are, every once in a while, somebody will say it and then we go out and train on it. So when everybody else does one th- everybody else says one thing at a time, eventually you realize you're training on everything. Right. So it's just so as a team, somebody will pick something. One guy can't be in charge of oh, always saying, Well, we got to train, we got to train. Like Jeff said, I'm the senior man in a deep platoon. So I do mention training quite often. But they, everybody else does also. So Jeff will say, well, I haven't pulled a Paratex out in a while. Well, I right, guess what we're going to do? We're going to pull the Paratex out, right? Because everybody can benefit from training. I don't care how much time you have on, how good you are or something. Getting your hands on it, it is going to be beneficial for everyone. So, you know, it's for us. We just, whoever says something, tour before or the day before, and then we'll try to incorporate it the next day or the next tour. We'll figure out how to get it out there if we can train on it. So we all say something once in a while. We just feel, I feel like doing this. Well, I want to, I haven't touched this in a while and we'll, we'll work on it. So it's, a, it's, a, it really is a whole platoon effort to, to keep yourself sharp because sometimes you, you lose that motivation a little bit, right? And then you, the next time it hopefully hopes picks up that slack on you. Like, yo, I want to see this. Like, all right, all right, let's go do this, right? Because humans, like you said, we got stuff at home. Some days you have a bad day, a good day, and you just don't feel like doing nothing. But somebody says, yo, come on, I'm going to go do this. Well, you're going to get up and go do it. And that starts, to, that, that starts the motivation process for the next day and the next day. So then we do have our spurts there. Sometimes we're like, we haven't oh, we haven't trained like in a couple of weeks. Ooh, it's not good. Let's, let's, go, let's go touch something. And then we go grab something. So it's a struggle. It's a constant struggle. It's not like we're not like super firemen. That we, you know, we're training every single day, 24 hours a day. That's a lot. Right? We're human. But we try our best to motivate each other to pick something and go from there. Um, but it, it is 100% believe it's a team effort. To, uh, our have Platoon's effort to keep yourself sharp because it is really easy to sit there and time flies by. One day becomes a tour. A tour becomes a month. A month becomes six months. You know, just you know, one guy says it and we start it. And it starts the whole process. And we have so, like I said, we have so many disciplines that if you don't train before you know it, and you're going to be in trouble because that's going to come up. It's going to happen. And you're going to look like a total... You know what, in public, right, and to the rest of the department and then the chiefs. So we have to keep ourselves sharp, but we we can't we can't do it on our own. We have to help each other train constantly. You know, sometimes it goes across platoons. You know, we mm-hmm. had they'll come up, but we had this. You know, oh, man, I never that's that's interesting. We never had it. You'll go across companies. Had, it'll go across. without it. and then yeah. we'll go try something, train on it because we didn't have it. We never seen that. You know, mm-hmm. go ahead, Jeff. You got something.
2: No, I was going to say even across stock companies like the one you were on with the uh, they had a guy dead in a basement who was like what yeah. seven hundred pounds, and rescue had to go figure out how to get this guy out and they couldn't get him up the steps, so the way they did it, Gabe happened to be there. We recreated the situation, minus the eight hundred pound guy. How would we do this using some paratex, using the ladder, using you know a rope system, you know stuff like that. Someone has something interesting or something different. We'll try to recreate that. You know, like he was just, it's not just across platoons, it could be across sock companies yeah. because it's such a small world on duty. You know, there's only what, you know, 15 sock guys on any platoon. So when any one of them has something, we talk to each other. So,
1: hey, we had this today. You should check this out. Okay, cool. And then we'll do that. Yeah. And we have no problem asking each other questions. We're not, nobody's better than anybody. So we we'll ask you what were you done what have you done like you think this will work and then we'll we, we try it if it doesn't work it doesn't work at least we, we figure be that out in the firehouse or in training or in the field right so you should, nobody's above anybody's when it comes to training i don't care how much time you have on you know but uh and it's just it really is just tough sometimes to, to get motivated to train constantly but you know you, you just keep it moving keep it trying keep trying to to motivate each other because that's all you have, right? Your platoon is your platoon. Like, I mean, the officer is great to have there, but the officer's not really doing the hands-on stuff. It's just the fireman that has to decide to train. Yeah, the, fire, the officer has a training schedule, but the fireman the need to get self-motivated to train. So you just by talking to each other, you always gonna have that one guy that doesn't want to do anything. Luckily for us, we don't have that guy in a platoon because we're all, you know, pretty motivated. We're actually, in the station for the most part. Yeah, he, he's not gonna stay in the station if you don't want to do anything. Yeah, but there's yeah. people have that problem, but. If everybody goes trained enough times, the guys can look up like, oh, let me get up and look, let me go see what they're doing. And that's all it takes, right? Yeah. Do you have anything else, Jeff? Uh,
2: just like for me, well, you know, one of the things that keeps me motivated is, you know, fear of failure. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially when it's a sock event, you know, uh Philadelphia is super aggressive. Uh a lot of guys want to get in there, they want to get their hands dirty. The last thing they want to hear is Back up! You don't have the training in this. The sock guys have to do it. Like a building collapse, you know. Uh, when Sean Williamson collapsed recently, you know that the, the building collapse. He was in their trap with a couple other firemen. Sean was the only one that died. But uh, those chiefs, you know, it's hard to tell other firemen, yo, back up. Let these guys shore this up and let them do the digging, you know. So. When you get like that, you, you you have everyone looking at you. Like, you better succeed then. If, I, if I'm the, i I'm a fireman, I'm allowed to do this, and they're kicking me out, and it's just you guys, you better succeed. So that was always a big fear of mine. Um, then as Gabe said, with the amount of disciplines, and, and they, they just keep packing it on with us. Uh, Philadelphia is a big city, but it's a poor city, and they don't care about the fire department as much as you would think. So what's the answer? Give it to the squads. We just had that... Uh, Electric battery training. And now they, our station is a two story station, but it's small and they keep packing it with apparatus, packing it with equipment. We just got a pallet of, you know, the stuff to put, like when the batteries burn and we're supposed to go collect that. Like the answer is send the squads. Now we are on, you know, battery fire retrieval. We have the overpacks with that now. We're still hazmat. Then they gave us the floor below nozzle that for high rises, even though we don't, we have one high rise in our local. That's got to go in the truck. We have the KO curtain. They give us that. Only the sock companies out. So who has to go train on the KO curtain? Just the sock company. So now if there's a fire downtown where we got to drive 20 minutes to get to it and anyone who uses KO curtain, well, we better know how to use it because we have it on our truck. Then we have what's called a cockloft nozzle. And again, they bought two for the whole city. Guess who has them? <laughs> the squads. And it's like, guys, and our captain will be just, hey, put it on the truck. Like, cap, there's no room. How often, you know, we got hooks. We can hook the ceiling and, you know what I mean, spray it down. But the city and the department's answer is give it to the squads. Give it to the squads. And we have to know how to use it. And then it's up to us, you know, to come up with the training. And a a good thing, one of my favorite things with a sock company is just because the guy's the officer, they're great. They A lot of them realize, hey, I'm not the best guy here. I'm not the most experienced guy here. You know, so and they will listen to someone like Gabe, for example. You know, Gabe, you've been here twenty years, and officer just comes in, he's been here too. You know, he he went through the sock training, but he was never in the sock company, or he's been out of the sock company for ten years, as he was a lieutenant at a regular engine or a regular ladder. Now he made his way back into a sock. You know, there's guys that come back, and they're like, all right, so we're going to lower the guy with what? With the rack, right? I say the rack. Like, you know, or, you know, (laughs) figure eight with ears, like, no, dude, no one uses it. What are you talking about? We're like four devices past that now, but they don't know. Right. But what's great is they take a back seat. Like, okay, cool. You guys need to train me. Mm -hmm. And when we come up with this uh, thing on a special operations event, the officer is just basically there to say, you know, okay, I heard four different ideas. We're going with this one. You know, because when we train, you know, it's all alpha males. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, people joke around like, you know, they can't believe me and Gabe are friends because it's like when we're doing training, it's like I think it's this way. He thinks it's this way. Next thing you know, we're arguing. But that's why we train because it only happens in training because that's where you try to do new stuff. Like, nah, Gabe, I think we should, you know, for a basement job, we should try and do this. And he's like, no, let's try and do this. All right, well, let's go. And we will go head to head and try it out. And then it's like, all right, you know, you were right or I was right. This is the way we're going to do it for real. And then there is no arguing so that's that's how we stay fresh you know what i mean we just we'll start a discussion someone talks about something you know let's go do it let's go build it
0: so no that's great i you know i wish more more people would i wish more people that i've worked with over my career were that way too you know it's we try and train i always try and do something every day you know keeping the books you know try something out refresh you know whatever i need to be refreshed on but I mean, like you said, it's hard, but um, but but it's good that you you have that ability to 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 have those conversations and realize that it's it's not personal, man. It's we're just trying to be better, make everybody oh. better, right? Yeah. And it's never like coming
2: to blows or anything no. stupid like no. that. It's just right. you know. But other people on the outside looking in, like, man, you guys fight a lot, you yeah. know. And I'm talking about the whole company, not just me and Gabe. But it's like, well, no, not really. It's it's only doing training. But when we're on the job, it's boom, 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 boom. You know, and a thing that bugs me is that we don't really get a lot of support from the city for training. So, perfect example, we want to do some vehicle extrication. Well, Gabe goes out in his own car, finds a junkyard in the local, makes friends with the owner. And next thing you know, okay, cool, he's letting us come there to cut up cars. We have to do that on our own. And then we're giving the guy, like, you know, challenge coins or, you know, they can buy him a case of beer or some stuff like that. But he lets us come in his junkyard and cut up cars. The city doesn't provide that. That's another. Big problem that maybe some other major cities have, like oh yeah, they're dropping cars off for you guys to train and this and that. We got to go, you know, big borrow, or steel to do a lot of training. Yeah. So yeah. and it's, you know, that's the way it is.
0: Yeah, sure is. So Gabe, you're the you're the senior man on the deep platoon now. So how has your role in the firehouse changed now that you're the the senior guy?
1: Do you feel like? Know, my role hasn't changed much because these are not new guys everybody here jeff has 17 years i actually have another fireman he's been in the department for 20 some years now uh, he was a medic first and then he's a fireman we have another guy with 15 years and I, so no one's new so we're not like i don't i don't walk around like oh well you you know do as i say and all that stuff because these guys are all great firemen they all know what they're doing you know sometimes they i get approached by say yo, this guy's doing this and that and so Instead of me doing something, so I have I did learn from my senior guys when I was in other places and I got great guys break me in in, in North Philly. Uh they something that they didn't do anything. You sit back and you watch and wait, and it'll fix itself. You know, sometimes it's a little stressful, you let it fix itself. And then if it doesn't, then you get involved, right? But right away, sometimes I don't say anything at all. And if I do say something to certain guys, there'll be some in private. I don't make it a big deal. But and overall I work with guys that plenty of experience plenty of time so what they what they say does matter it's not like that's not my way and i still go out but i still do housework i still cook i still do all the basic stuff i'm not beneath that because i have time on the job because again the guys that broke me in they had 30 years on when i got on and they were doing everything you know you had to fight them to stop them from doing space experiment and stuff that the new guy did so i got lucky that way. got broken in that way so i still do all that um but in general being a senior man, it's like I said, I don't have that that luxury of the of the new guy because these guys come in, they come in and a new sock. You know, sometimes the only thing they have is like they're coming from a ladder company, so they got to get engine qualified, right? So, so that's another process of being engine qualified because they've been ladder guys their whole career. But sometimes they come in with engine operators, the engine ops never been on a ladder, so you get to learn a little bit more of the ladder stuff. But overall, these guys have, you got to have a minimum of five years just to apply. But all these, all my guys have, over about 15 years, every single one. So they're not, they're not new guys. So the senior role thing is really doesn't apply too much to me because they have so much time. We're, we're not, we're not, the gap's really small between our time frame.
2: Actually, the, the, the I don't want to call him junior member because this guy came from rescue one to squad 72. Uh, Jerry, he's got 17 years old. So that's the, but he's the youngest. He, you know, He got on the job at, like, 19, so he's 36 years old with 17 years old, you know. Yeah. But he's been
0: around. What are some things – go ahead, Kate. Go ahead, ahead, Kate. No, go ahead. ahead, I was just going to ask Jeff, um, what are some experiences you've had with senior members that you either learned from because of something they taught you or you learned from because you said, I'm never going to be like that guy?
2: Uh, so when I first got on, I, I, uh, went to the slowest ladder in the city Mm -hmm. and there, you know, and and you know how it is being in a big city. like, you know, if guys are dying to be slow, they're, you know what I mean? are a lot of times they're not the cream of the crop, you know what I mean? Uh, so some of the guys there, it was, uh, in my opinion, they weren't a senior guy. They were just someone who kept their job for 25 years. Uh, Also, though, with the problem with the spot, it was also known as a Shanghai spot, as we call it. If if you get in trouble, they would send you there. So they needed new guys. Yeah, they had no one there, you know, but there was a guy, Ralph, and he got sent there because he had a problem with, you know, the chief, something like that. He got in trouble. He was a balls to the wall fireman. And I learned a lot from him because he was just, you know, listen, keep training stay in shape, you know, do this, don't do that. Uh, he was someone I wanted to be, you know, he addressed problems the correct way, you know, he wasn't someone who just kept kept his job, you know? So when he got out of there, I was like, oh man, what am I going to do now? I just have these older guys who just don't care, you know, they come to work and just, you know, but when I got out of there, uh, I went to Southwest and the thing there, it was just all young guys. We were all brand new, just we really didn't have a senior guy. So we kind of learned by the wayside, learned how to be by looking at the other platoons, and there's a guy Billy, and he was the man. I mean, he was totally the man. He was on another platoon and we kind of would go to him for guidance. You know, hey man, we're having this problem or something like that. You know, senior man's are invaluable. Absolutely invaluable. And you know, they have more time than the officers. You know, in Philadelphia, you only have to have four years on to take the lieutenant's test. And that's what I like about SOC. You have to have five years old to even apply for SOC. And that's a big complaint with some people. Like, wait a minute. I could be a lieutenant, but I can't be in SOC. And it's like, well, I guess not. But it, it keeps the drama out of it. You know, you got someone like Gabe who's a senior man. But, you know, like he said, you know, Gabe's got a couple years more than me. But actually, I'm older than Gabe, you know. And we treat him like the senior man and stuff. But he's not walking around like, I'm not doing this and I'm not doing that. You'll see that at other stations. A guy, I'm not – Doing dishes, or you know, in Philadelphia, we still sit and watch. And a lot of people don't know what that is. So, you know, we but you're up all night. And the senior man said, like, "Well, I'm not sitting and watch." And but the guy's a horrible firefighter. He brings nothing to the table as far as knowledge, the showing these guys anything. He's just saying basically, I've been I've been working for 25, 30 years, so I'm just not doing it. That's I would never want to be like that. You know, like Gabe said, his senior man, you know, led by example. You had to like literally try and take a broom out of their hand, and then they'd hit you with it if he did. You know what I mean? Like, hey, dude, I live here too. You showed them the respect. Okay, maybe try, but then, you know, don't. But then the other guys, it's just, I'm not doing it. Yeah, it's. I would never want to be that way. You know, I I, I really uh, agree with Gay's concept that a senior man.
0: Yeah, no, that's that's so important. Everything both of you have said, you know, if you don't, you've got to walk the walk, and you got to talk the talk, right? You can't just talk the talk, right? You can't mm-hmm. say do as I say, not as I do. Right. You got to carry the, you got to be able to carry the mail. And if you're going to say, you know, the whole company's doing watch, then what's that make you look like? If, if you say, except for me, right. Or except for me in the exactly. office. So, so you two, two other guys or three other guys have to take a beating or, you know, do, do part of your, your time doing watch or doing dishes or whatever. That's, and that's thing. that's something that I've found. in you know my position. People, people like I've had people come up to me after a fire, like the next day, or somebody'll call me and say, "Hey, man, was there something wrong with that fire? Why did you, you know, why did you help pick up hose? Was there was there something we weren't doing?" And it's like, "No," I said. "You guys just took an ass beating, <laughs> and all I did was stand out front and talk on the radio. At least I can do is help you pick up your hose, or do housework or whatever you know." So I I appreciate that, and you know. Certainly in my position, it's people look at it. They're like, we've never had a guy like you do that before. Right. So, but I try and, and I'm not super old, you know, um, I'm not much older than, than either one of you guys, but um, so um, I think that's important. You know, you got to be able to show people regardless of where you fall in the hierarchy that you're not above or you don't feel that it's below you to do any of those jobs. Right. That's going to say, that's going to say so much about you. And it's going to that's going to have a, as much of an impact, if not more of an impact, than, than you know maybe something you do on an emergency scene. Certainly, that stuff's important. And I'm not trying to diminish it. But, but we all know that we spend a whole lot more time in the firehouse with our shift mates than we normally do on the street. Or maybe, you know, yeah, we may have a really, really busy day where we never see the firehouse or something like that. But in general, we're spending a whole lot more time just being a big family than we are out you know, making decisions at an emergency scene. And, and that just, that speaks volumes, I think, just, just to be that way. So I, I applaud both of you for, for having that attitude. Oh, um, it's,
2: it, it, you're absolutely correct because like, it's funny. because That's why I'm laughing because like, you know, some of the arguments that we have in the kitchen and it's so petty and so stupid. And it's, it, it happens when it's slow. If there's no fires for like, you know, a week or two, yeah, yeah. you start, you know, and there's times I'm sitting there and like, you know, like I said, Gabe's, you know, a super close friend of mine, we own a company together. And I'm just looking at him like, I hate his face right now. You know what I mean? Like, and it's because yeah, you're just stuck in this building together, you know, right. you have to, you know, and it's the little stuff. Like who cares about who does dishes and this and that. But then when, you know, you didn't wash that fork Then we just clean up, you know, what do you, who do you, where do you live? And, and that's the type of stuff that happens because you're like brothers, you're a family, And you start nitpicking this stupid stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. you don't empty the trash. What's the matter with you? Do you do that at home? You know, and you're, you're, you're absolutely right.
0: Yeah. What about the officers you guys have had over your careers? Um, I'm sure you've probably had some that you've hoped to emulate one day, if you ever promote and some of them that you wouldn't, what are some things um, that you think make a good officer, a good officer? What are some traits they have? Some, some abilities or techniques or has there been anybody that's really impressed you in your career that, man, you, you know, a certain style or a certain way of handling conflict or, or anything like that?
2: Uh, Mind if I go first, Gabe? So my first and second officer, when I first got on, uh, definitely didn't like, uh, them, uh, good guys didn't want to train. They were at the end of the ropes, you know. When I wanted to train, I was just oh, relax, relax, man. You know what I mean? You're new, and I get it. Uh it, it was a huge ordeal. You know, I was too aggressive, and you know, I need to slow down a little bit. And I mean, I didn't know shit. And I didn't learn shit because of that. Uh then I moved on, and I my first really good officer was a guy named Kelvin Fong. Uh, this dude got on. In like 1970, you know, and was never anywhere slow. And I'm talking like Philly was rocking and rolling back then. Like He was an engine 50, ladder 12 for like 20 years before he even got promoted. And I mean, the amount of fire these guys have seen, like you know, every city had their warriors. I'm sure Indianapolis had their warriors. You know, like everyone talks about New York's warriors, but we just didn't write books about it. You know what I mean? Every, everyone went to fires back in the day, and we'll never get that amount of experience. Uh, Kelvin was, he was tough, man. Like he didn't talk his first like three months. I didn't say nothing. And keep in mind too, he was one of the, he was probably one of the first Asian guys on the fire department in 1970 with all the Vietnam vets. You think this dude had it rough? You know, he was, he was a tough, tough dude. Uh, You never heard good job from him, but he damn sure let you know when you messed up you know, and uh, I appreciated that kind of stuff. You know, he showed you a lot. And then Gabe and probably relate me with this. uh, Our captain, our previous, our our captain now is great. You know, I don't, I don't want to talk too good about him because he's our current captain. So I'm going to go with our past captain. Uh, He was fantastic too. Uh, His demeanor was like ice cold, but he knew what he was like. he, He knew what he was talking about. He was great. He was fun as hell, but if you challenged him, not us, someone else challenged him, you better come correct because you better believe he had the answer, you know, but he was very open to us with our new ideas and new training. He'd like that me and Gabe. The big reason me and Gabe started teaching anyway was for a company called MedTechs because it was paid training. Get our hands on ropes and set up systems all day and we're getting paid to do it. Then we, you know, I kind of fell into task force one and so did Gabe, and then that's where we met you, and here we are now. You know, we looked at it like, all right, cool, we're staying sharp because, you know, we're doing this, we're doing that. And he loved that. He pushed us to keep doing that. He's like, great, keep doing it, keep doing it, man, because you guys are sharp, you know, this and that. And uh I really liked the way he, he always had his guys' back, no matter what. Um, if you were in the process of doing something wrong, he would stop you. If you did something wrong, you know, obviously within reason, uh, he had your back. No matter what, like, listen, I'm not letting you go down for this. You know what I mean? It. He always had our backs, and I think that's very big. Uh, A lot of people become officers, and now you're almost like a politician. You know, you're uh, you're like upper management, and then the firemen are like, you know, your your minions. As opposed to in the sock world, like everyone calls their officer by their first name, except the captain. You know, we're on the captain's platoon. No one ever calls our captain Brian or our latest one Josh, you know, but every other lieutenant, it's by their first name. I think it's just, I don't know because they're the captain, but I really appreciate that too. You know, when the officer lets you, you know, you can call them by your first name. When the chief's around, I don't I don't personally do it. Uh, I know Gabe doesn't do it, but when we're in the station, like, you know, hey, Chris, hey, Eric, you know, this and that. And uh, I think that's a good way because we, we know who's in charge and they know that we know that. So they're not, you better call me lieutenant. You know, because that was always a big thing with me too. If a person introduces themselves to me as Lieutenant So and So, and I know they're a bum, there's no way I'm calling them Lieutenant. I always appreciate it when someone introduced themselves to me, and if they were, you know, the Captain, Lieutenant, you know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm Jeff, and I'm like, oh, that's cool, we introduce, and then I'll call him Captain. You know, so those are the things I would think to, you know, are very positive traits when it comes to being an officer,
0: besides knowing what you're doing. Sure. About you, Gabe.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean, I've I've been lucky. I've been most of my career, I've been on a captain's platoon, captain's platoon, except for one spot, I was at a lieutenant's platoon. Um, but overall, I always, I got lucked out. I had great officers all around. But my interactions for the most the officers, most of the time, wasn't with them. We had the whole senior man thing, you know. So he got rarely got talked to about certain issues or whatever. So he stood stood in between the firemen. You know, when the officer got involved, it was way beyond anything no one could handle. So there was never any issues, you know. On the fire ground, I always had a really good officer on the fire ground. You know, here at 72s, I've been went through five captains here at 72s. Uh, they were all great, you know, tactical, you know, officers. But everywhere else, it was just senior man thing. You know, back then when <laughs> I got on, was, you don't Talk to the officer. Who are you to talk to the officer about anything? You go to the senior man like You know, guy, you, know, you never talk to the chief. Chief didn't even say hi to you back then. Especially when you're a new guy, right? Just, oh, that yeah. wasn't that wasn't done. Yeah. What's for so lunch? lunch. How was that? Yeah, so now times have changed. Times has changed in the fire department. I think in general, the generations are just different. So people are just bypassing other people, going right to the chiefs and talking. So and that's that's I think it's really bad for the fire department in general. But when it comes to officers i got i lucked out i had always had really good officers but i always had better senior men so i was able to learn everything from them you know for the most part i was learning all my basic fireman stuff and my tactical stuff from the the senior guy is you know I, I was lucky that way some guys that's almost gone now because everybody's brand new the fire department is so young now so most of those guys are gone so they don't have all that but i got lucky and, I, and i'm i glad i did so my so when it comes to officer wise i don't really got much to say about officers because i had great officers when it came to the fire ground but my senior guys who told me what to do not to do well he told me what i was allowed to do what wasn't allowed to do when my senior guy when i was at 45s he told me he never wanted to see me without a pack on, but he never wore a pack this guy had almost 30 years when he got there this guy did I'm, I'm looking back i'm on my crawling on my stomach with fire all around me and he's like walking like it's nothing i'm looking back it's crazy but I wasn't allowed not to wear my pack, according to them. You have your pack on, kid. That's what it'll say. You know, those are things that, but he didn't wear it, you know, but he understood the t- times were changing and all that stuff. You know, that was a senior man. I mean, there was other sides Once I ran out of air, I wasn't allowed to leave either. That's a whole other topic. <laughs> but, but I always had to have my pack on my back because, you know, you, you, you better have your pack on, you know, even though they didn't do it. But I was a senior man telling me, this is what you're going to do. And I wasn't, he wasn't going to ask me, can you handle this? No, this is what you're going to do. And that's what I did. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's, that comes with respect, you know, respecting those people and respecting the position, respecting where they've been, how long they've been on the job, what they've done. It's a lot easier to do that with somebody that, that's into the job and wants, wants to be there for the right reasons uh, compared to somebody that's there to collect a paycheck or is looking to ditch, you know, get out of work and stuff. So,
2: I heard a saying uh, recently, and it made a lot of sense. It was like, you know, our generation coming up, you know, when an officer or a senior man told you to do something, you said yes, or to, and just went and did it. The new fireman says why, you know, which, you know, and you know, depending on who you talk to, people are like, well, that's a good thing. They they just want to understand what they're saying, but I mean, that's not what I see, you know. The, like they got their headphones on or doing this, they're doing that. And, you know, uh, trying to get guys to train sometimes, you know, and the chief would be like, you know, hey, you know, we want you guys because we're we're the old guys in our battalion. You know, they at one point they were calling us the mean old men uh, because we were broken in by the last of the old breed, like the the, yeah. the Vietnam vets that were still around stuff. That's who broke Gabe in. That's who broke me in. And, you didn't talk back to those guys, you know, yeah. they were 58 years old. And they would still kick your ass too, so you couldn't really do much. Uh, that's gone. Yeah. You got chiefs now that are 35 years old, you know, with less time than we got on. And they you know, hey man, take it easy. You know, you gotta be, you know, like this to the guys. You know, not that we're mean, but it the generations changing because uh and there's just a lot of questions. And why do I have to do this? Why do I have to be the one to to sit watch? And you know, they're fighting over it, where it's like, dude, you got. Cable TV, you can sit here and watch TV all night. Like, what are you talking about? It's not hard, you know? But that saying made a lot of sense to me that, you know, the old guy would just say yes, the, the new guy once says why.
0: Why, yeah. Yeah, I've experienced that um, quite a bit, actually, uh, the why stuff. And I, I see both sides of it. I certainly was yeah. brought, brought up like you guys when, you you know, you didn't say why. You just said, yes, sir, you know, and you went and did yep. it. Or, um I think that, I think a lot of the, I'm not opposed to the why, uh, with this caveat. And that is how do they say the, why do they say the, why in a defensive posture? Like, you know, well, why am I doing it? Not, not that guy, you know, or whatever versus, Hey, you know, can you explain this to me? I'm having a hard time understanding, you know, why are we using this saw instead of that saw or why are we pulling this line instead of that, you know, stuff like that, or, you know, what, what is the rotation for this or the, the cooking rotation or you know, I, I think yeah. part of it is, you know, and it's it's certainly a two-way street. Um, but but the younger folks, you know, they I hate saying this I, I'm not even gonna say it because I don't wanna I don't <laughs> wanna
1: be stereotypical, I'm not gonna say it. I
0: but, know what you're thinking anyway. But uh, but you yeah, know But it also depends on when
1: they say why. If they right. say why after the fact, then they, you know they wanna know they wanna learn from it. When they ask That's you why it. right from the as soon as you say something, they say why right away. You know it's the defensive posture. You know it's not because they, they don't want to do it. So that's the difference. You tell me, ask me why after it's all done, we settled down, everything's done. All right. Well, you're asking me why because you want to know. Right, let's go talk about it. Let's go figure this out. You know, I mean? that way you know why, why I was thinking, why, was, why, why we did this this way. Because you know it's after the fact. So it was done. Guys, they, right away, so before you even finish talking, well, why I got to do this. You know, I mean? like, well, you don't want to learn. You just don't want to. You don't want to be the one doing it. Yeah.
2: Some well, folks, one thing with that, it, it, it's not so much their posture. It's it's when they're saying it, like if we're training yeah. and I'm um, just, you know, Hey man, you, you don't take the front door to the engines ready to go with water. Well, wh- why do we do that? You know, we're training. Why, why do I have, you know, why do we wait? That's a genuine question. You know, sure. he's asking because he wants to learn. Well, because I did it before and I caused the flashover because the engine wasn't ready. That's, that's why, you know, if you're back at the station and it's like, Hey man, you're driving the truck today. It's filthy. You know, it rained for five days. Now it's not raining. You, know, you got to wash the truck. Why do I gotta wash the truck? That's what I'm getting at. Right? Because it's your job. It's part of the being here. You know. Mm -hmm. Why do I gotta sweep the floor? Because this is your house, dude. Like it's dirty. You know. Everyone. That's the thing that's coming on now. You know. You just the little stuff. And uh, I, I taught one academy class, and I was one and done, Eric. You know. And I, we would try, we, we tried introducing the senior man aspect while we were up there. Cause I'm just a firefighter, I'm not an officer. So it was me. Uh, we taught the tool section and they did this thing where they wanted special operation guys to teach the tools. They were fine and the guys were getting better with knots, better with certain things. We're going to stick with sock guys for the tools. Great. So we're just firefighters. So we were like, listen, trying to address it early. If you guys have a problem, if you feel like someone's picking on you or whatever, come to us, the firefighters first. Don't go to an officer. If you come to the firefighters, you'll get a firefighter solution. If you go to the officer, you're going to get an officer solution, which is going to be, he's going to pull out the directives and say, this is how it goes. That's it. And you ruin it for everybody. So we tried addressing that up there, but man, at some points you were just like, God, I, you know, um, this isn't for me. Um, I'm not coming back to teach another fire academy class just because that why do we gotta do this? And they're cadets. Yohan, shut up. Yeah, it's just it's 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 different. And then you're showing them how to, you know, they don't know what a screwdriver, they don't know what a Phillips head screwdriver is. Yeah. You know, it's little things like that.
1: So that's yeah. well. different times is also is that the thick skin. Like the, yeah. back then when we got on, you had had thick skin. You know, guys will talk to you a certain way or just yell at you like you just took it for what it was and kept going. Now, everybody's feelings hurt. You know, oh, my God, poor me. You know, I'm calling. I'm going to go call my, you know, my mommy You hurt my feelings kind of deal, which is ridiculous in our world, you know, because fires don't care about anything else. They don't care about your feelings, your gender, your religion, anything else. They don't care about none of that. Right. Fire is a fire. But you can't you're not allowed to teach that way. You're not allowed to talk that way because people feelings are involved. Feelings shouldn't be involved when it comes to fighting fires and learning tactics, saving lives. It has nothing to do with anything else but firefighters saving lives, you know, doing our job. But once you took that away, they're taking that away more and more. How do you talk to people? How do you get people with thick skin? That created a whole landslide on how do people, their feelings are involved, and why they don't do certain things anymore because it just doesn't, it hurts people's feelings or they don't like how they feel afterwards. Who cares about how you feel? Like who cares? you know, but you can't see that and that's a big problem i believe yeah i found that um,
0: when people have people feel offended people feel picked on and i'm there's certainly exceptions to this i'm not saying that that some people don't take oh, it absolutely apart, but, absolutely but what they what i think a lot of people do is they're they're looking at they're looking inward right they're only they're they're worried about themselves if they would take a second and realize that you know this isn't personal. This isn't something you know that that only you've experienced or only you've gone through. That it's it's part of the bigger picture, part of the grander scheme of things. And I'm probably not explaining it the greatest, but uh, but and, and instead of looking inside and looking at themselves and feeling sorry for themselves, flip that around and look at the environment, the organization, the traditions, um, the culture. You know, and see that. But that's just part of the deal, you know, and but but I think people nowadays, for a lot of different reasons, they they tend to take everything personally. Um, Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's always they're always being insulted. They're always being picked on. It's always an affront to them as an individual rather than, hey, man, this is this is the organization. This is the the culture. Right. Um, You know, and, we're you know. As long as you're not taping somebody to a longboard or leaving them there for six hours or, you know, doing crazy stuff to them. You know, I mean, it's just busting balls and having a good time. I mean, God, I get mind busted as much as anybody some, sometimes around the kitchen table, you know. Um, we always said if, if no one's messing with you, then they don't like you. Right. Yeah. And
2: that's it. Absolutely. You know, if guys are messing, within reason, obviously, you know what I mean? You're not like, you yeah. know, peeing in the guy's bunker boots, you know what I mean? Stupid stuff like that. You know, you're just like having fun. Yeah. And if, if no one's messing with you and no one's joking around with you, they don't like you. They don't trust you. But some people are comfortable with that. And like we joke about this all the time. One thing I love about our station and our crew that we're a little older. Like, you know, we all have our phones and we all have cable at the station. We have the Wi Fi. And yeah, we're all guilty of playing on it. But there's times it's like three in the morning, and our whole crew's sitting in the kitchen and the TV's on mute. And we just we're just sitting there talking. You know, where we got like the music station on Comcast, you know, like whatever, like listening to oldies and we're just sitting there talking. We're one of the few people that still do that. You go to other stations and, especially if it's big, there's no one, they're all in their little world because they have their headphones on, watching their phone. And that's why things are changing. Like you'll get guys coming to our station to work the ambulance. They don't get out of the ambulance. We have a two story station. They'll sit in in the, if, if they're not on the street, which they're on the street, 99% 99% of the time, but they'll just sit there in their own little world. So they don't have to get along with anyone because they're just by themselves and they're fine with that. And you're fine entire stations like that now. So like if we get detailed because we have an, you know, we, every like station, they try to add an extra guy. So to cut down on overtime, Hey, you know, Jeff, you're detailed to lateral engine, whatever. You can just sit there all night. Like Man, where is everybody? And they're just in a corner on an iPad or a device and you're like, this sucks. If you're used to being how we are, ripping, running, running around, you know, we're smoking cigars, we're having a good time. Like, come on, man. And I think that's a big part of it too, because you could get by now with no friends. Like, oh, no one likes me. I don't care. Put your headphones on and (laughs) sit there and just get on the truck when a run comes. You could totally live your entire life like that now and people are fine with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, as great as a great a tool as our phones and the internet and Wi-Fi and all that stuff is, it, it definitely has changed a lot within our job. I think because just Absolutely. because of all those reasons you said, right? So there's so many other ways to stay busy or or keep from having to interact with with the people you work with. Mm-hmm. So, um, so either one of you guys have any aspirations to promote?
1: What are your plans for? Uh,
0: go ahead, Gabe. You
1: yeah. answer that I'm, I'm, I'm reading now. I'm starting to study now. There's a test coming up. So I yeah. signed up for it. Um, give it a fair shot. You know, don't say I'm going to get it. I'm going to read. Because uh, the way we do it is just all by test. There's nothing. It uh, doesn't matter what you are, who you are. It's just taking the test. The written part, you pass the written, you go to the oral. So right now I'm just reading. You know, I'm going to read up as much as I can and take a test. See what happens. So, I mean, I'll hit – I see. Like, I hit december so in December I 20 years on i've been in pretty busy companies so i think i'm try to move on you know and we'll see so is this it's only and error. i'm gonna give a shot valid shot reading all this stuff i have to read see what happens good for you man what about you jeff
2: not yet uh not yet? i'm enjoying uh being a <laughs> fireman man uh for me I'm actually talking I'm going to mention this. Like, I'm doing an end of the job thing tomorrow. I leave tomorrow. uh, End of the job symposium. Uh, My goal, my big goal, was to get the special operations of Philadelphia. Philadelphia. And once I hit that, I was, was like, for me, hey man, I'm I'm at the top. Uh, I'm very comfortable here. Uh, I I don't need the money. I don't need the stress. I don't want to leave the special operations. If I get promoted, I have to leave and go back out into the field. Uh, I don't want to do that right now. Um, I might lose my mind if I actually, uh, you know, I'm a very hyper guy, as you can probably tell by the way I'm talking. Uh, I couldn't imagine going back to being a a slow guy, you know, being at a a super slow station again, because that's, it goes by seniority, you know, rightfully so, but I don't want to go back to being like, you know, a super slow company and, You know, if I got new guys, great. I'll train them up. No problem. But I'm just not ready yet. Uh, I'm very happy. The company that we started is doing fairly well. You know, we're staying pretty busy. Uh, That's taking up some of our time. You know, it's just... uh, Down the road, maybe for the pension bump and all that, I I don't see myself as a chief uh, because I don't know if I could do it the new way. You know, uh, when you... I don't know. I I, I really think I, I wouldn't adjust well. Lieutenant and stuff, maybe, you know, okay, whatever. But I'm just not ready right now. I got to be at the point where I don't care where I go
1: to get promoted. And right now, I would. That's, hard, that's that. the hardest part of being promoted. And, you know, I'm going to leave. If I do make it, I'm going to leave. the bubble, What we call the bubble, right? The sock bubble. Because everything on the sock is pretty much controlled of who comes in and stuff. Once you go out there, you're out in the you know out in the world. You know you don't know what you're getting, who you're getting, how is it going to be, and to get to get back into soccer as an officer, it's almost impossible. Not that it doesn't happen, but guys don't uh, officers don't rotate in the soccer. World. Everywhere else in the department, they rotate every four years. Well, in our world, they don't rotate, so you can have the same officer forever if you don't leave. They usually promote up, and that's why they leave. So to get in a stock company is really hard. So once I leave, if I make it and I leave, I probably won't be back, right? So that's the hardest part. The reality of it is, is once you have, do I want to leave, you know? And the answer is no, I don't want to leave. But I think it's time for me to try to move up a little bit in rank, you know, and see, reach out to younger guys and other guys on the department. I and mean, teach them, you know, and, and have them try to motivate guys to be a little more aggressive and stuff like that. So,
2: and to piggyback off of that, Eric. So, let's say Gabe gets promoted and leaves. I have a big say on who comes to our company to fill Gabe's spot. That's another benefit of being in sock in Philadelphia. Our captain's like, hey, man, who are we going to pick? And Gabe and I both taught the last sock class, which the same thing happened when we were in sock class, but the, the instructors are there looking at you the whole time. So, just because you get in sock class, and technically you're a member of SOC, you're just not in a company. That don't mean you're going to a company. You know, and it's so competitive that they're all good firemen. Every guy is a good fireman. Then it just comes down to who's going to mesh well with the platoon. So we get to pretty much hand pick who you want from there. You know, so you're not going to get that anywhere else. So if, you know Gabe gets promoted and let's I'm just throwing he goes to engine, you know, 89, which doesn't exist, but that's where Gabe's at. He doesn't pick who he gets. Whoever's there is there. And then if there's an opening, he might get a cadet and it could be like, you know, the dumbest cadet that was in the class goes there, you know, and now Gabe's responsible for him and has to deal with this and that, and all the administration problems that comes with it. I'm just, I'm not ready for that. I love being where I'm at. Cool. I can pick who I work with.
1: Hell yeah, man. Why would I leave that?
2: So that's my thinking right now. And also, I mean, it, i it keeps me hands on with the equipment that pours over into the company on the side. You know, it gives you that little bit of legitimacy. So, but I'm not going to, you know, teach an officer class either, but you know, you want a class on, you know, vehicle education, you want a class on rig. you want a class on ropes. I'm your guy. Cause I'm still touching it every day.
0: Mm-hmm. No, that's great. There's nothing wrong with that. I think, I think, you know, I've known plenty of people that, That were firefighters their entire career and they were excellent firefighters and they probably could have been an officer if they wanted to. But kind of like you, man, they they liked being in the mix and getting their hands on the equipment and getting to use it. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I applaud that. So um, I said this before, Eric. uh, I think firefighting is the only job
2: where a person can come in at the entry level position, which is firefighter and stay there for 35 years, let's just say 30 years, 35 years and get possibly more respect than a deputy chief or even a commissioner. And I'm sure Gabe will piggyback on that. You talk about legendary senior men, you know, I think a guy like Joker Sany, Billy Ford, like they were just legendary firemen, you know, and like they had more respect than half the chiefs in the department. But they stayed at the entry level position. This has got to be the only profession where that happens.
0: Yeah. No, I. you I hadn't thought about it that way, but I, there's a lot to lot to that. I think. You, I think you. You know, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Um, rank doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be looked upon with respect. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. So. And even going uh, with the officer question, you you asked that officer question.
2: What officers yeah. do you remember? All Gabe talked about was a senior man. Perfect example right there. Talk about a senior man more than he talked about any other officer. You know, that's, you know, not that I'm shooting for that, but I have so much respect for guys that stay fireman backstep
0: because you're still getting respect. You're still teaching. Yeah, no, I agree. I do. I feel the same way. So um, I'm going to ask you, do either one of you know, chief Gary Appleby from Philly? Not personally, but you've heard, but you know of him. Yes. The only reason I didn't know if either one of you had worked with him or not, but I'm reading this book right now. So that's why I I asked. So (laughs) I just wanted to. Yeah, the leadership book, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I just started it. So that was one of the things I had on my list. I wanted to ask you and see if you had read it or knew anything about it or knew of him. But uh, um, if you never really worked for him, it's kind of probably kind of hard to talk about him. So.
1: Yeah, um, Yeah. He was before our time, though.
0: Was he? Yeah,
1: or yeah, or we I might have been so.
2: brand brand new when he got on. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure when he retired, but yeah, I never worked directly for him, and yeah. I
0: can't speak for Gabe. Yeah, well, I know, I know, I know. It's a big, it's a big department, so you know, it's not not uncommon for you to yeah. hear of somebody, but never worked with them. So you know, no problem. Um, so you you mentioned that you're going to you're leaving for into the job tomorrow, Jeff. Tomorrow morning, take, yes, sir. What about you, Gabe? You you going to or no? No, is, that's a Jeff. Know? Deal yeah so um so you know we talked a little bit about your your business you know and you're traveling around and you're doing teaching and stuff so I don't know if one of you wants to, to just kind of talk a little bit about that and you know if people haven't Thank heard you. heard of you before or heard of your company then you know, if you want to say sure. a few words about that so uh we
2: we call ourselves uh philly tin helmet training and when people ask about the name uh, a lot of people don't know in philadelphia Back in the day we wore tin helmets. Mm-hmm. And me and Gabe are uh, big advocates. Yep, there's one of our hats, Gage Winners, that's our logo. Uh, you know, keep it old school, keep it real tactics that work. You know, we're not there's a lot of fancy stuff out there that people are doing and that's great. And you know, does it work sometimes? Maybe not. Everything we show, it's proven to work in congested conditions, you know what I mean, or wide open conditions. Uh, And you know, just working with people like yourself, Eric. You know, we were just talking. Like, we have such an array of friends and people we know that have a lot of experience that we could, you know, if we start our own company, we could just, hey, man, you interested in working with us? You know, we have a, we feel like we have a big reach. Uh, Being in the special operations and then guys that taught us, like everyone's interested. Mm-hmm. in coming to workforce you know they hear about you know the travel that's all like oh i get to travel and I'll, like hang out with other firemen and teach you know <laughs> people are all on board and that's you know how i met you you know like we yeah. go out we teach a class we go have a couple beers afterwards and have a good time you know you make yeah. lifelong friends in other cities so me and gabe just one day we're sitting in the airport uh in where were we at charlotte just like we, we got to do our own thing man you know let's get this going and especially when it came to like you know my dog barking sorry all these old chiefs sitting around and stuff get them to come talk you know there's just a lot of got Philly is a very big untapped resource in my opinion. i would
0: agree yeah put
2: it there yeah. so and then gabe and i are the first ones uh, from philadelphia to ever start something like this and comically you know it was pretty funny is uh everyone keeps getting me confused with bobby Eckert over yeah. in camden yeah. who uh you know like oh you're bobby no that's not me and even when they called me for of the job i said you got the wrong record you're looking for bobby Eckert. he's in camden and yeah. bobby's actually going and gabe and i met him and uh he's been nothing but helpful for us that guy's been an absolute stud and helped us out getting started and stuff he's a great dude and uh, i can't wait to go hang with him down there but you know check us out phillyton helmet training uh we're on facebook and we're on instagram uh, just got a bunch of classes going. You
0: know, if you're interested in anything, let us know. Excellent. Yeah, it'd be your another another untapped resource that people can use. So, and I can vouch well, for these two guys; they know what they're doing. <laughs> thank you. Man. Appreciate
1: it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So, a, anything else, Gabe? Did you have anything you wanted to
1: add? Uh, no, like I said, I just touched on it. You know, all our tactics is all real-world scenarios. Like we don't, anything, we don't do anything fancy. So us, that doesn't work. If you want real training, real world training, it's how it's gonna work. That's what we're about. Not always the prettiest, not always the nicest looking thing in the world, but it gets done and that's what we're about. Getting done, everybody goes home without being injured. That's our goal. You know? Uh so that's if that's not what they're looking for, then we're not good for them. But if they want real world scenarios, real life, you know, experience, we'll definitely give anybody a run for their money when that comes to that.
0: Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I was
0: you're talking about down and dirty and stuff that works. I was just, just last weekend I was teaching, helping teach a class and I got assigned this the search station. So I was going in with these, these firefighters and going over, you know, how to search and how to check bunk beds and cribs and do all these other, you know, just different stuff. And one person said, yeah, I'm just, I can't wait to use my webbing. I can't wait to use my webbing. I want to drag a victim out with my webbing and they pulled it out of their bunker pants and it was all daisy chained up and had a nice little knot in one end to keep <laughs> yeah, it from coming I'm loose. And I'm like, I'm like I, you know, so that just drives home to the point. I'm like, you're never going to get that out in zero visibility with fire gloves on one, first of all. And second of all, you're probably going to be so shocked that you actually found somebody that you're not going to be thinking straight anyway. So yeah. my, my recommendation would be just, you know, use their arms and their legs. And, you know, so I, I get it. I, and I totally agree with that. It, it, uh, like you said, there's a lot of technology out there. There's people pedaling bells and whistles and some of it's really good. Some of it's really good in certain applications and not in others. And, you know, so I, I appreciate the, the down and dirty, you know, what can you get done with just what you have between your ears and, and we your- tell
2: everyone, Eric with, with the webby too. I'm like, if you yeah. tell me you yeah. took a class and the guy showed a hasty harness For a writ, I said, You bet you're gonna do it right now, blacked out, with your gloves on, while we induce stress. That's a big thing with us. Like, you know, you're not just gonna sit there with an air conditioner, we're gonna induce stress. Like, this guy's really suffocating. And you show me how you're putting a hasty harness on this down firefighter, (laughs) blacked out with your gloves on. And if you do it, I was like, You know what I mean? I'll worship your webbing for the rest of your life. Like, it's not happening. (laughs) Stop it. I mean, there are
1: are tools like the fast board that are great tools. There's, you know, the Anderson, Anderson, Anderson the strap. strap. We use I'm that. So we, the shirt now. we do Anderson use. Rescue Solution shirt. We do yeah. use certain tools, Absolutely. but those are a lot of times those are our secondary tools. You know, they're great yeah. tools and they work phenomenal, but they're not they're not going to be there ninety percent of the time when something goes wrong. So you got to go out and get it. or somebody has to bring it in. So in the process, are you going to just stand there and wait? No, you're going to start working until they come mm-hmm. in with that with their equipment, right? So that's what we're big on. It's like, all right, yeah. It's, some of my equipment are phenomenal. They work great. They're, they're you, everybody should have them. But those are equipment that you bring in. So if I find a man down, I'm not gonna wait. I'm gonna start processing and get him out. Or whatever I got on me, you know. So that's that's key. You know, stuff on you, minimum stuff, but stuff that's mandatory to help you get somebody out as soon as you find them. And then you call for help. So there's a place and time for everything and every equipment, you know, but there's this fancy stuff that's not working on gloved hands. Visit, you know, heat, you can't see anything. I don't care how good you are. I don't care if you invented the technique. <laughs> it's going to be impossible to do yeah. something when so the house is on fire, you know?
2: Engine and ladder ops in a wide open parking lot. It's like, well, what happens when you have 800 cars on the block and wires above and, you know, people are double parked? Or it's, you know, the fire we had yesterday was on the Roosevelt Boulevard where the guy's stretching line to the hydrant. and it was got hit by about 17 cars doing 50 miles an hour. Like, that's real world. Now, obviously, you're not going to replicate that in training, but you can't just expect a guy to stretch 200 feet straight back, you know, and do some kind of fancy move on his way in. Like, that, that doesn't happen in real life. You don't have that type of room. And let's be honest. Like, most houses that are on fire, there's quarters, the yard's full of crap, you know, there's five broken down cars out front, whatever, you know what I mean? It's that, that's what really burns the most, you know? So, you got to train accordingly. You can't just expect it, you know. I actually made a post on uh, Instagram on our training site of like a couple like a week ago. Just on this one corner, take a look at it. Like just what we encountered on that corner. You're not stretching down that rear without you know 16 machetes. The front porches have two refrigerators on them and tons of trash, and then it's barred doors and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. those tactics don't work when it comes down to that, you know. Yeah. So. No,
0: absolutely. There you go, folks. Philly Ten Helmets, check them out. You got a lot of wisdom between these two guys. So, Jeff, Gabe, I want to thank both of you for the for the time we spent together tonight. I really enjoyed it. Wish it was in person, um but uh we're doing the best we can at this point in time. So, yeah. really appreciate you taking time out of your night. You know, like all of us, we got a lot going on. Got our families. Wow, thank, got you our, got you so, thank you for having us. Got everything.
1: Thank you for having us. Helping yeah, us out here. Well,
0: yeah, thanks a lot. So, folks, thanks for tuning in tonight. I'm Eric Dreiman, the host of the Hooks and Hoses podcast on the Fire Engineering Network. Uh, everybody take care, be safe, and uh, we'll see you next month. Signing off. Step into the world of power, loyalty